You slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later, right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. You're going to miss out on some things we think are pretty cool, like intergenerational community and support and encouragement that seeing people who know you and love you gives. You'll miss out on maybe some inspiring music and uh, the kids being cute. And we won't be able to give you cookies, but we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a new age. We're your average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast, so if you're away from home or working, maybe you have to coach a kid's soccer team, or maybe you're just sleeping in. Maybe you're still shoveling snow. Snow. You can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Every episode is a conversational version of a sermon one of us gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, we just ask that you would keep an open mind and an open heart. We're serious about that open mind. We don't think you have to agree with us and everything we say. In fact, we're hoping that you will question, disagree, and figure out what you think. And in the midst of all of that, experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So spruce trees. Spruce trees? Spruce trees are specialists. No. Yeah, they're specialists. Spruce trees grow in very cold environments. Mm-hmm. They grow in places where there are very short summers and very cold winters. Okay. And maybe the growing season is actually only a few weeks long. Yep. Which means in order to maximize the growing season, they have some tricks. Okay, so what are their or, tricks? Okay, so first of all, there's two kinds of trees. We know this. It is known. Right. Hashtag is, it is known. Like there's the kind that lose their leaves and those are called... Deciduous. And the kind that keep their leaves and those are called... Evergreen. Or... Or uh, conifers. Conifers. Coniferous. I've never learned conifers or evergreen. Everybody says evergreen here. Uh, yeah, no, I know that one. Coniferous trees. Coniferous. All right, and the coniferous trees generally have what kind of leaf... They have like a waxy, spiny thing. Like a needle. A needle. They have needles. Yes. Okay. So spruce trees are of this variety. They are coniferous trees, which means that they don't lose their leaves. And the reason they don't lose their leaves is because then they don't have to waste time making leaves. Right. Because it takes a lot of energy to make leaves. It takes a lot of energy to make leaves. And so they just keep their leaves all year round. Well, the problem with that is that leaves become landing areas Mm -hmm. for snow. Right. And that increases the surface area of the tree, mm-hmm. which means that the tree can get weighed down. Right. Which means that the tree is in danger. Of losing branches. Of losing branches, of being knocked over, yep. of being knocked over in the wind, for example. And so spruce trees have developed really cool adaptations okay. that help them with this. The first is spruce trees have essential oils. Now, this is not your friend on Facebook who's trying to get you to join like a <laughs> trunk sale or something right, like that right. no, that no. will just really improve your digestion. No. These essential oils act like antifreeze. Uh-huh. And they keep the needles fresh so that mm-hmm. they can photosynthesize faster. Okay. So they act like antifreeze so the, so the water keeps moving through the tree all year long. Right. Which is great. They also... Uh, avert risk by growing perfectly straight. Okay. Perfectly straight. In fact, if you see a tree that has been knocked over midway through its life, it will turn Turn, and start start to grow grow straight up. Yeah. Perfectly vertical again. 
And they do this because when they're perfectly straight, it's harder for the wind to catch them Mm -hmm. and knock them over. Right. Okay. So they grow perfectly straight and most of the snow won't stick. It'll just fall straight off. Right. That's the hope. That's the hope. Are spruces trees where the, 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 the main trunk is pretty straight and then the branches that come off it are a little a little slanted down? That's the next thing. Oh, okay. So spruce trees. Sorry, didn't mean to. No, no, you did. Spruce trees have flexible branches. Okay. So in the summer, they reach straight out to the side. Okay. But in the winter, when the snow starts to fall, they're flexible enough to like lean down mm-hmm. to bend down so and what happens then is that they end up tiling on top of each other so the bottom branches hold the branches above them up and the middle branches hold the high branches up and they all end up taking just a little bit less of the weight okay that way and it keeps them from getting knocked off they also it also probably knocks some snow off yeah they also are really slow growers mm-hmm. which means that they build strength mm-hmm. before they build height. Right. And they're not really in danger of being knocked over by high winds until they're about 80 feet tall. Mm-hmm. So when they're about 30 feet tall, they kind of s- slow down with the growing up and they grow out. Right. So that the trunk is strong enough to support all the branches. But they stay as skinny as possible <laughs> while being strong right. to avoid the wind. So they, okay. so they have all these little techniques for mm-hmm. avoiding getting knocked over, for being able to survive in extreme environments. And the reason I think that this... Particularly like these risk averse methods mm-hmm. are fascinating is because to me, it echoes what the church is supposed to be. Right. People who are growing as perfectly, I don't want to say straight because that carries that different connotations, connotations, but like yeah. as close to God as they can mm-hmm. personally mm-hmm. and are also willing to work together in community, mm-hmm. like these branches that tile on top of each other to yeah. bear the weight of ministry. Right. So we have this like personal spirituality thing. And we also have this relying on each other thing, this what we call social holiness. Mm-hmm. So this is what we're supposed to do as Methodists. We're supposed to stay in line mm-hmm. and support each other. Right. That's the rule. Right. And the idea is that then as we support others, they also support us and it helps us all, you know, survive in really extreme environments. Right. Um, that we need each other and we also need to be centered in that. This brings us to our scripture. Okay. Our scripture is from Mark, and it's Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to 38. And it's when Jesus starts to explain what's going to happen in his own extreme environment. Right. So they're in Roman occupation. He's making all the religious elite angry, and they're going to come for him. They're going to come for him. They're going to come for him. They're not going to let this stand. And Peter has just confessed that he thinks Jesus is God. Right. Or at least the Messiah. Messiah. And that's, you know, putting a target on your back as well. Yes. So Jesus calls Peter the rock. Hey, you figured it out, kid. Way to go, Rocky. Uh, And then he says what that means is. And so. And so, therefore, ergo, I am, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be real ugly. And Peter says, never. And Jesus rebukes him. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Now, Satan in the book of Job, is a counselor in the heavenly court. Not a bad guy. Not a bad guy. His job, God has put him there with a job, is to question God to make sure God's motives and God's actions line up. Right. So God says something is true. And then Satan's job is to sort of look around and say, well, you say that, but your actions say 
yeah. something else. Or you say that, but this little thing over here isn't quite working on that. Right. And God doesn't get mad about that. No. God just says, good point. Let good me point. work on that. Yeah. Right? So Satan, when Jesus calls Peter Satan, it means that Peter has offered him an alternative that mm-hmm. is uncomfortable. Right uncomfortable to think about. And I imagine it was a huge temptation for Jesus. Oh, yeah. To think, oh, maybe I don't have to suffer. Right. Maybe I don't really have to die this horrible death. Right. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? He says, you know, you're being a stumbling block to what God's calling me to do. Right. Which is not to say that your way isn't great, but it's just not the way that God's God's calling me right now. God's not calling me to be quiet and make people comfortable so I can survive. Right. God's calling me to to be good news. Right. Which is going to end up making people angry. And I'm okay with the consequences of right. that. That yeah. doesn't make him right. It just means that I'm okay with the consequences Quences. of that. Right. So Jesus rebukes Peter. And he gets angry with him. In fact, what I'm noticing throughout Lent is all of the stories are stories about Jesus getting angry. Right. Well, many of them, yeah. Which yeah. I'm, a, I'm all about it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it when Jesus gets angry. Because I'm angry all the time. <laughs> so I'm like the Hulk. I'm Bruce Banner. <laughs> My secret well, is I'm always angry. Well, and the reality is that sometimes we don't, we, we kind of gloss over that. Mm-hmm. And we kind of say, oh, that's, you know, we explain that away or, or, or negate that. Or we say that Jesus is only really angry when he's flipping tables over. And there's there's a degree there. And that it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the anger, anger has a place. Yeah. So that's sort of it's what one we're of talking the, about. It's one of the experiences that we have that we need to pay attention to. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of the places we train out of ourselves. Well, Especially particularly because, as women, we're told we're not supposed to be angry. Right. But I think there's, yeah, especially as women, you know, we don't get to, we don't get to say we're angry about this. Because we, as soon as we're angry, we're shrill. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I agree. I, the title of the sermon was Reclaiming Anger. Mm-hmm. And it was knowing when anger serves a purpose. Right. And so what I said was that anger is evidence of broken shalom. Mm-hmm. And so Definitely. shalom, shalom is this peaceful, just, loving community that God has in mind for us. It's more than just peace. It's like right. peace with justice and economic justice, justice and, and all of the things. With, with all the things in the right relationship. Yeah, everything in right relationship with each other. That's shalom. And so when there's anger, it's evidence that something is broken. Mm-hmm. In fact, in the Old Testament, shalom is an incredibly important idea. Mm-hmm. But one of the ideas that we have let slip as Christians is the idea of a ga'al, Okay. And a ga'al is G-A apostrophe A-L. Mm-hmm. A ga'al is roughly translated redeemer. Mm-hmm. And every family would assign the role of ga'al mm. to somebody in the family whose job was to pay attention to the anger mm. and to create reconciliation. Interesting. Um, because I don't think it serves us to not get angry right. if something is wrong. If somebody is being harmed, if we're being harmed, it doesn't serve us to not get angry. And so like the story that... Uh, this commentary I was reading offered up was the story of Abraham and Lot. Mm. So there's a story in the Old Testament about Lot being taken captive mm-hmm. by slave traders who are going to go and sell Lot. And Abraham is the Gaal in his family. Mm. And so it falls to Abraham to be the one to go and get Lot back. And he needs to be angry to do that. If he heard Lot has been taken captive by slave traders and he went, oh, shucks, isn't that sad? Mm-hmm. It's not going to fire him up to do anything. Great. That he needs to tap into that anger because it's evidence of something being wrong Wrong. that needs to be fixed. Right? Right. So anger is actually, it's a place for us to notice where there is an opportunity for reconstructing peace Mm -hmm. and righteousness Mm -hmm. and truth. Yep. Not just something that's nice to hear, but something that is 
Truthful. Truthful. Something that is real. And I think what we're seeing in Jesus is that it's important for us to care enough to be incensed. Right. When things are wrong. Yeah. And there are a lot of opportunities to do that. Right. Luckily, because there's a lot of things that are going wrong. Uh-huh. Right. That Jesus cares for us to get ang- to get angry. I think even with us, mm-hmm. I don't, we don't like to talk about an angry God, but I'd like to know that God is going to call me out if I'm messing up. Right. That would be great. Thanks, God. Not that God's getting angry at me about stupid stuff like you ate the last Kit Kat, but right. like real things. I'd like right. to know that God's going to push back at me a little bit. Yeah. So this opportunity for peace, righteousness, and truth, we have to care enough to be incensed so that we can see where those opportunities are. Right. And one of the easiest things to point out right now is the kids from Parkland. Mm-hmm. The kids who were in Florida who had the 19-year-old kid come into campus, into the freshman building at their high school and kill 17 of their classmates and teachers. Uh, and these kids are angry. Angry. And righteously angry. Righteously angry. And they are they're taking action. And what's fascinating is they're, they're actually having a little bit of success. Yeah. Now we know that that will maybe not last as long as we'd like it to. Maybe that's just the cynicism of old age in me, but uh, but we know that some of that fire is going to burn out. Mm-hmm. And I'm so proud of the ways that they're standing up. It's been really funny to watch Twitter because, yeah. of course, all the trolls come out of the, the woodwork, right. right? And they're oh, all saying, oh, some... these are paid actors and oh, this, that, and the other. Right. And these kids just take them down. Like, oh, yeah, there's never, been some amazing takedowns. Never pick a fight with a teenager on Twitter. Like, like that is their natural language, They have folks. endless time. <laughs> and endless time. And all the anger. And they're way cooler than you. And so they've just been taking these people down. And it's been really funny to watch mm-hmm. that and to watch them confront Marco Rubio and their other uh, representatives and congresspeople and senators. Uh, it's been really fun to watch them do that. And it doesn't mean that they have success all the time. Right. But they recognize that there is something wrong and they're mm-hmm. willing to work to fix it. And and so right. within a matter of days, they've raised more money, gotten more promises out of their politicians, gotten more done than, forgive me, Moms Demand Action, than Moms Demand Action has gotten done in a year. Yeah. And it's because it's not parents saying we miss our kids. It's kids saying we miss our friends. Right. It's the kids who are standing up to fight. You can't tell me what my experience was. I was there. Right. Uh, and so I think that that is really fun to watch. One of the things that got me incensed uh, this last week was oh yes our uh, local local scene local scene here we have a business improvement district that was just approved uh, the city council just approved it on Wednesday mm-hmm. uh, but before it was approved it was proposed and uh, they were going around and talking to all of the different people who might have a stake in this mm-hmm. to tell them what it was about oh, and why my. we're doing it and, da, 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 da. and so our church is going to be assessed a certain amount of money which is about one percent of our budget. Yep. For city improvements. The main thrust of this is clean and safe. And what that means is that they're going to power wash sidewalks. By the way, we live in a desert. They're going to power Power wash the sidewalks. Great. And safe means they're going to have these ambassadors, paid staff, wandering around the city who are supposed to help tourists find what they're looking for and also act as social workers to the homeless and refer them to resources. Well, here's the problem. (laughs) There are no resources to which to refer the homeless in Reno. We are severely underfunded and right. under-resourced. Uh, we have 100 homeless people, at least the ones that we could find to be counted this last year. And that doesn't include the, the I think, 70 homeless youth. That 100 is just the folks that we don't have beds for in the regular shelters. In the regular shelters. And so... That's above and beyond. Yeah. And so, like, one of the things that we we help with a, an overflow, overflow And shelter. now an overflow. Yeah. To the overflow, which is another... 
O3 shelter. Um, so we have all these overflow shelters to try and just keep people in out of the cold, which is hardly enough. Right. There's no resources for them to be directed to. And you're never going to have a clean and safe community if we allow income inequality, particularly in the city, to determine who is allowed into the center and who is not. Yep. It's it's asking for trouble. It's... Societies that have smaller income gaps yep. are actually safer, have better mental health, have better physical health, because it takes a toll on both sides of the spectrum. Yep. On the upper end and on the lower end, when there's a huge income gap, it breaks down trust, which mm-hmm. breaks down compassion, which actually increases crime. So, so I was a little unimpressed with this plan for the business improvement district, power washing sidewalks and putting people out who can do no good for anybody and taking away money from nonprofits like our church, right. but certainly not only our church, who are doing direct aid, who are providing resources right. in order to fund people to direct people to resources that don't exist. I got upset. So good job, Chris. Yay. Woohoo. Yay. Get incensed. Broken shalom. Um, so I wrote a letter. And recruited some folks from our church. We had about 10 or 15 people show up at the city council public comment. uh, And we spoke. And we said, here is our concern. Now, the other nonprofits who spoke really just didn't want to pay an extra tax. Right. Which bums me out. Right. (laughs) To to the nth degree. Yes. It also makes me a little righteously angry. That's too. But we stood up and we said, look, you need to take responsibility. Right. For funding resources. This needs to happen. So for us, it's less about the money that we're being assessed. And it's more about how we see that money being wasted. Yeah. Because this business improvement district is going to end up being over $2 million. Right. We can't use even part of that. All of the suicide prevention services in Nevada cost less than a million dollars a year. Imagine what we could do with even half half of that that money. money. A million dollar budget. The council kind of blew me off. When we got up to speak, there were dozens and dozens of people there to speak on behalf of the bid and saying, mm-hmm. yay, we feel unsafe walking to our cars. And I'm saying, you work at a casino yeah. with private security. I feel like you could probably get an escort to your car. car. And also, that's not public property. Right. That's private property. And I don't want to pay for security mm-hmm. at a casino. Or frankly, to power wash the sidewalks at a casino. In a desert. In a desert. So <laughs> in any case, so it, was, it was a frustrating experience because I felt like Particularly Mayor Sheedy blew me off right. when I stood up and said, oh, there's actually the county tells us there's all these resources that are untapped and all of you nonprofits have all siloed yourselves and you repeat some of the work and you don't talk to each other. And so there's no concerted, coordinated effort. And I said, excuse me? <laughs> I was I was a little upset. I couldn't respond at the time because I was a little upset. But I wrote up a bunch of questions afterwards that I'm going to send in. And if I don't get a satisfactory response, then I will include them in my letter to the editor as well. I was really kind of without hope that anything might be done. Right. And as I waited throughout the rest of the public comment, I noticed a couple of things. I noticed that the collar makes people real uncomfortable. Woohoo! I'm a big fan of that. (laughs) The collar makes people real uncomfortable. And I noticed that every council person, during their response at the end, they had three minutes each to to Mm -hmm. comment as well, said the faith communities that are here are absolutely right. Because if we don't have resources to direct people to, then this is a wasted effort. That doesn't, this isn't going to stop us from doing this today. Right. But it is going to make us double down on doing more for the homeless, doing more for the poor downtown, and doing more about affordable housing, which is yeah. another big issue. Right. right. So, because one of the things that the Business Improvement District does is raise property value. Raise property value, raise rent, chase out the poor people. They have no place else to go. Right. 
And they end up staying in our overflow, 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 overflow. overflow shelter right. next year. So anyway, so the so that was the call to action then was, hey, if you want, if you care about local community, if you care about the poor folks who are part of our congregation, come on down on Wednesday and speak up, speak your mind. And so I spoke and then everybody stood and we were an impressive presence, uh-huh. which was great. Uh, and the council people did say, yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah. We're not going to change our minds, but you're right. And that's a start. It's a start. But there is far more to go. And so when you were talking about like, take up your cross and follow me mm-hmm. and recognizing that there are these these moments where it feels like there's a little break in the pressure, but then you have to kind of jump right back in. Right. That resonates with me because right. this week has been the little break in the pressure and then jumping back in. Right. And to think about that cross being, you know, we have a mental sense of that being like a physical cross, right? Like, Urgh. Yeah. But- we're we're going to kill you. Yay. Yay. But carrying that cross is an act of resistance too. Yeah. Like not letting the powers and principalities decide whether we get to get fight to live. Or not. Yeah. Get to fight whether we get our way, whether we get justice. Right, right. We will choose to walk. We will choose to walk. We will choose to carry the cross, our cross. We don't have to carry Jesus's cross. We just have to carry ours. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be really clear about that because I think that's some, that gets us into some weird places, but, but that we're asked to be present to the things we're in yeah. front of us. So our job as community then is to keep growing as close to God as we can, to keep rooted, to keep the snow off our shoulders as much as we can because we're carrying enough weight, and to support each other in the work because we can't do it alone. We'll snap like twigs. Yep. So these images of these trees throughout Lent have been real interesting for me. And next week's is real funny. (laughs) Okay. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Well, so that was the sermon. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to this Sunday Morning Sleep-In podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to the topics we've been discussing today, shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com or find us on our website at sundaymorningsleepin.com. The scripture for this podcast was Mark 8, 31 to 38, and the music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jasmine. It's traditional at the end of a worship service for the priest to deliver a blessing to the congregation. And uh, I guess my blessing is just go get spruced up. Because we're all going to deal with some extreme environments in our lives. We're going to have those moments that are just high pressure cookers. We're going to have those moments where we can choose to either ignore or to step into the tension of what's going on around us, of the shalom or the broken shalom. And that's on us. Uh, So don't be afraid of getting angry. Use your anger properly. Let it drive you to action to be a redeemer, to be a person who can rebuild. Let it be a place where you can grow instead of where you get stuck. Let it be a place where you are growing closer to God, even in God's anger, and also able to rely on the people around you because the work is difficult and the load can be heavy. We can do it. So go out and love every person you meet, even the ones you don't think deserve it, because God thinks they do. Amen. Amen. Amen.